0: So again, Happy New Year. Let's try that again. Happy new, Happy new Year. I want to welcome you all back. As you know, we always take the first Sunday off in the new year. Reason is, is it takes about 130 people a week to pull off what we do here. Every week as a mobile church, and we like to give people a rest as we start into the new year. AND SO THIS IS OUR FIRST SUNDAY BACK. AND I'M EXCITED. I'M EXCITED ABOUT 2018 AND WHAT GOD HAS AHEAD FOR ALL OF US WHO CALL CITY CHURCH OUR HOME. NOW ONE THING I WANT TO MAKE A CORRECTION ABOUT AT THE BEGINNING. I HAVE RECEIVED SEVERAL TEXTS FROM PEOPLE AT CITY CHURCH ALREADY ASKING WHY I'M WEARING CAROLINA BLUE. So so that's for Tommy Everett and for Jason Baker personally back at you. Now, I'm going to take this off because I'll start sweating, but I just wanted to prove where my allegiances lie, and I did wear this to church this morning. The other reason why I'm wearing this sweater is it was the only clean one <laughs> in my... didn't even think about Carolina Blue, but thank you for your constructive criticism. <laughs> what a game. Hallelujah. Now... What we're going to do as a church family for the next four weeks is we are going to focus on the idea of prayer, prayer. Now, not only are we going to focus on the idea of prayer, we're going to look in depth at the idea of of fasting and prayer or prayer and fasting. And I want to tell you at the outset, for some of us, what we're going to talk about this morning is brand new. I realize it's new. For some of you, this will be review. But for all of us, it's going to be a call to participate in the fast that we're going to be doing as a church family over the next 21 days. You're going to hear more about this as we move into this morning's sermon. But again, I want just to say that fasting, prayer and fasting, is something that I believe is very underutilized. I think a lot of people who are followers of Jesus have never really truthfully fasted and prayed. You might have skipped a meal because you didn't like what your wife made and you spiritualized it. Said, honey, going to fast. <laughs> I'm just laying food down. And in the back of your head, you're thinking, I hate liver and onions. Anyway, what we're going to talk about is very different than that. We're going to talk about starting out the new year as an entire church family with the understanding of what fasting and prayer is and then initiating it immediately. So what I would like for you to do with me is would you grab a Bible and we're going to turn to the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 6. Now the Sermon on the Mount starts in the prior chapter. But we're going to be looking at what Jesus teaches about prayer and about fasting. That's going to be kind of our launching pad for this morning's sermon. We're going to be reading more scripture than normal. Because I believe that good and good ideas might inspire you, but when you understand scripture, it transforms you. That's a big difference. You can be inspired by a well-thought-out phrase or a saying, but when Scripture engages with your heart and your mind, it transforms you. My goal this morning is that all of us would be transformed spiritually towards prayer and fasting. So we're going to read the words of Jesus. For those of you who have maybe never read Scripture before, maybe you've never read the book of Matthew, Again, we're reading from a kind of large tome of teaching that Jesus brings. It's his largest teaching, and it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins with the Beatitudes, and then Jesus gives a teaching of what it looks like to be his follower, what it looks like to truly follow God by faith. And all I really want to say about the Sermon on the Mount, other than what we're going to study in chapter 6, is this. Moses received the law of God on a mountain. And now Jesus is on a mountain and he's teaching what it looks like to truly live for God. If you look at the Newer Testament and compare it to the Older Testament, all the Newer Testament writers will tell you that the law of God could only get you so far. And then it fell short. And so what Moses brought to the people of Israel in the Older Testament is what they had lived by for over a thousand years. And they had followed the rules. They had followed the laws. And now Jesus stands on a mountain to map over the law of God that was given to Moses. And he brings a couple of chapter teaching in your Bible and in my Bible that explains what it looks like to follow Jesus And to serve others. And so we're gonna pick up in chapter six of Matthew. Chapter six, we're gonna begin looking in verse five. Now, I have the scripture up on the screen because I know some of you don't have a Bible or your smartphone or whatever. And so I'm gonna ask that I will read the first paragraph to you. We're gonna read the second paragraph together because it'll be very familiar to you. And then I'll read the third paragraph. To you so here goes the first paragraph if you would read it silently and when you pray again this is Jesus teaching when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others truly I tell you they have received their reward in full but when you pray when City Church prays go into your room Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How many of you want your prayers to be answered? Raise your hand. Jesus said answered prayer happens when people do it in private. Privacy. Next paragraph. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. You know this, so read it with me out loud. This, then, is how you should pray. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Next paragraph. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus, when he teaches on prayer and fasting, warns us to not be hypocrites. Now the word hypocrite is an acting term taken out of Greek culture where the same actor would wear different masks during a play. They would get up and you could have an actor that was a man that literally played the part of a woman. The same actor could play the king and the pauper. The idea of someone who really is not who they proclaim to be. When I looked up hypocrite, I loved what it said on dictionary.com. It said this, a hypocrite is a plaster saint. A plaster saint. A saint or someone that uh, uh, tries to appear like they're a saint, but they're made out of plaster, and it cracks, and it falls apart. Jesus, when he is teaching on prayer, And teaching on fasting says, do not be a hypocrite. When you do these things, do them in secret, do them in private, and do them to God. Now, I want you to notice something at the outset. Jesus says, when you pray. Not if, but when. And then he literally repeats his caution and his warning when it comes to fasting. He doesn't say, if you fast, he says what? When? And so in the mind of Jesus, his followers are going to be people who fast and pray frequently, often. That it won't be a rarity, it'll be something that is utilized by the people that follow him. Now... Notice Jesus' warning, because this is going to be through the thread of what I'm going to talk about this morning. Jesus' warning is this, that when your spirit, prayer is a spiritual thing, when you pray and you seek God, and when you fast, and that's a thing that you do when your flesh and your spirit come together, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, when you do that, your ego, Your flesh wants everyone to know that you're doing something spiritual. That part of your life that got you in trouble to where you need to pray is the same part that's still begging for attention. Saying, what about me? What about me? Tell everyone about me. Make sure everyone knows how much you pray. Jesus said, don't do that. Because any acknowledgement you get for your prayer life or your fasting, the acknowledgement will be your reward. But if we are a people who behind the scenes are a people that pray and we fast, Jesus promises if we keep it there that our Father who is unseen will bless us in the midst of our unseen spiritual disciplines. Now, the reality of it is, I know for some of us, fasting is going to be brand new. I know that. But by the end of this morning's sermon, my goal is, is that it will become familiar enough to you that you will participate in it. Now, with the Older Testament, fasting and prayer, or prayer and fasting, you find them linked together pretty much from the outset of Scripture. And there's this combination between people who pray and people who fast. The other thing that you're going to notice is that fasting and prayer has a purpose, and the purpose is for humility. For humility. So what I want to do is tell you my working spiritual definition of humility. Humility is when a person knows their power A person understands their strengths, but they never operate in those outside of an understanding that God is the one that has endowed them with that power or that ability. Humility is not when you're good at something and you just simply don't do it. That's not humility, that's being a wimp. Big difference. Humility is when I know where my giftings are and all of us, by a certain age, you better find out what you're good at. You better. And when you find out what you're good at, the issue is, is that we look back at God and we continually thank Him for my strength and what I'm good at. So, humility is when I completely involve myself and my strengths and what I'm good at, but I never do it as being detached from God, that I recognize He's the one that's given me this strength. I'm aware of my strength, but I admit and I worship God in the midst of it. So the idea is this. Although fasting might be new to some of us, it's replete and it's found all over the place in the Older Testament. So think about this. Humility equals prayer and fasting. Here King David in Psalm 35, 13 writes this. Here's the king of Israel. He says, I put on sackcloth and I humble myself, the King James Version says, my soul. We're going to come back to that in a moment. He said, I humble myself with fasting. The prophet Daniel says in the Older Testament, he said, so I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I want to explain what's being referenced here. You will notice that King David and the prophet Daniel and a lot of Old Testament characters talk about fasting, prayer, and sackcloth and ashes. So Let me just explain what that is. Sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth, how many of you grew up on a farm maybe in the 70s or the 80s and you've ever held a burlap bag in your hands? How many of you know what I'm talking about? The farm that I was raised on, we had burlap bags and that's what we put feed in and that's what we fed the cattle and the chickens and all the vermin from. A sackcloth was something that was very itchy, it was made out of the cheapest of wools. And when it was woven together, it was extremely unattractive. There was no care for how it was made, and the wool was very coarse. And so literally what David is saying is, and the prophet Daniel is saying, and believe it or not, some of the kings of Israel called the entire Jewish nation to put on sackcloth to make garments from these coarse-haired animal skin bags and to literally put them on and to spend time wearing these and then you would also take ashes and you would rub them all over your body. And the idea was there was an external symbol of an internal corruption of the soul. And so when David says, I went before the Lord with sackcloth and ashes, it was a time of repentance, it was a time of brokenness. It was a time where there was an external demonstration of an internal problem in David's soul. So when David calls the whole nation of Israel to do this, in the book of Nineveh, I'm sorry, in the book of Jonah, in the city of Nineveh, there was actually a king that called all the people and all the animals to wear sackcloth. Even the beasts of the field, they put sackcloth on them for the purpose of discomfort, now, what I know is none of us are going to run out of here and go to the feed store and buy a burlap bag and wear it for the next 21 days. As a matter of fact, Jesus in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount would say, Don't do that. As we transition from the Old Testament to the newer, you see that fasting is still there, prayer is still there, but sackcloth and ashes disappears. But I want you to take note of something. That in the Older Testament, when it was time to focus on God, when it was time to move towards God, even the kings of Israel, even the prophets of Israel are taking time out to focus on God and to spend time with prayer, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. It was a time of incredible discomfort externally and then through fasting internally. I want you to notice one more thing in Psalm 35, 13. In the King James Version, it reads the following way. I put on sackcloth and I humbled myself. And it reads in the King James Version, I humbled my soul with fasting. What you would find is, David is saying very clearly that his body is not just being humbled before God, but in the midst of what he's doing, also his soul. Now, let me push the pause button and explain kind of the triune nature of humankind in the scriptures. I realize for some people who are deep into theology, this is very debated but I want to say for us as a church family moving through fasting that we are created in a triune image similar to God. We have body. I want you to reach up and pinch yourself. You have a body. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And you also have a spirit. You have three parts, and God has created you with three parts. You have a body. A soul, which is mind, will, and emotion, and spirit. If you would, picture it this way. The soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion, is what stands between your physical body and your spiritual reality. It stands in between. Now, here's the raw truth. Your physical body can become injured and damaged and bruised and beaten. It can come to the point where you need to pause and rest, get medication. Your physical body can get diseased to where it's not functioning properly, and you must give it attention. When David says in that psalm that he brought his soul before the Lord... And he humbled his soul before God through fasting. What he is saying is he's taking that middle part of who he is. He's taking his mind, his will, and his emotions. And through fasting, he is submitting his soul to God and he is humbling his soul. Why? Because the soul can become broken and dysfunctional and diseased and damaged the same way the physical body can. Now this is a quick little infomercial for soul care here at City Church. I'm doing this unashamedly. And the reason is, is some of us, our physical bodies are in incredible shape. You're in incredible shape. You over the weekend, even in the freezing cold, you've been outside working out, staying in shape right? Anyway, (laughs) your physical body is in great shape, but your soul is broken and dysfunctional, and you know it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's where when you think about your soul, when you think about yourself as a person, your mind, your will, your emotions are not what you know God wants them to be. Because of that, We've been offering a nine-week course here at City Church called Soul Care. We've had 125 people go through Soul Care already, and we're going to be launching and I'll be overseeing two classes at City Church Central. It's going to begin on January the 22nd for the Monday night crew, and then January the 24th on Wednesday nights for the Wednesday night crew. And what we had found is, is that I was always offering this on Monday nights, but we have people that can't do Monday nights. So we're offering it now two nights of the week. It's a nine-week commitment. And here's what I want to say to you. Are you willing to get your soul healthy? Are you willing to do that? It takes work. It takes intentionality. But God, when we step into making our souls healthy, He will partner with us. We've had 125 people go through soul care. I've been through it personally now four times. And the life transformation that people have experienced in their souls has been absolutely profound. So I want to challenge you. Number one, Monday nights. If you skip Monday nights just so you can watch the NFL, shame on you. But maybe that's why we've offered... Wednesday nights. But the idea is, is that David clearly states in the Older Testament that when he is involved with fasting, that he's not only bringing his body before God, but he's also humbling himself, and he's bringing his soul before God because his soul is in trouble. Now, as we look at prayer and fasting... I want us to remember those three parts of who we are the body. That's the physical. That's the flesh. At times, the Bible will call that your flesh. You've got your soul. Mind, that's the mind, will, and the motion. And then you, we've got your spirit. Your spirit comes alive when you say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And your spirit, which was dead towards God, now comes alive towards God through Christ and through the infilling of the Spirit. But the idea then is, is here I am is a three-part reality. There's body, there's soul, There's spirit. And fasting and prayer has a way of uniting those three before God. Now, here's another thing that I would like to say. If you have never fasted, I want you to listen very carefully to what we're going to say next. And if you're a person that when you think about your prayer life, it's not what you feel that it should be, I want you to listen very carefully to what we're going to talk about. I've got a question. What does prayer say about people? What does it say about us? And I want to start with prayer because prayer is familiar to us, even though fasting might not be. But what does prayer say about a person? I'm going to tell you what prayer says. Prayer says that you recognize that you're not big enough, smart enough, strong enough to do life on your own. Prayer oftentimes is first initiated in someone's life when they get into what? Trouble. When a crisis hits, all of a sudden you'll find people who have shaken their fist at God all of a sudden on their knees. Why? Why? Because it's through a crisis, it's through suffering, it's through trials that the average person begins to recognize they're not big enough, strong enough, smart enough, and so now they're willing to kind of get on their knees and to get before God. You see, prayer is something that is a constant admission that I cannot do life alone and prayer by its very nature has to do with humility. Humility true prayer is when I humble myself before God, and every prayer is an admission that I cannot do life alone. What does fasting say? Fasting says the same thing. I don't know if you recognize this, but in the Older Testament, Fasting is the prescribed way a person humbles themselves before God. Fasting. Now, what does fasting say about a person? If prayer says, I need God, what does fasting say? I want to start with this thought. Some of you sitting here are saying, you know what? Pete, when you talk about fasting, what you need to talk about are the health benefits of it. I don't want to be mean. The Bible doesn't mention that. Fasting, one of the collateral realities of it and the good of it is that it is healthy for us. There's not a doctor alive that will tell you that fasting is not good for you. It is. But the Bible never references that. Fasting and going without food is a discipline that spiritually ignites a person before God. Why? Because when you go without food and you hit about day two, everything smells like McDonald's french fries. Everything. You can look at a wood table and it'll look like a cheesesteak from Philadelphia. You ever experienced that? And as you're in the midst of fasting, what begins to happen is you recognize your dependence on food and your frailty as a person. You begin to recognize as you fast that you are dependent on stuff outside of you in order to physically make it and survive. I want to say this. I believe that God calls City Church to this annual fast every single year because we live in a culture where everything is at our fingertips instantly. Almost all of us sit here, have a level of affluence, where we can get pretty much anything we want, and we can always get what we need. Always. We live in a culture where I've experienced this. It's called the Amazon effect. Now, I know the Amazon effect is clearing out bricks-and-mortar stores. I know that. But the Amazon effect I experienced just this past week. I sat on my couch, I got out my iPhone, I clicked on an Amazon app, and I ordered something from California. And that thing has been set up to be at my front door within 20 feet of my couch within 24 hours. That's shocking to me. Amazon Prime. Man, you just click on it, and it's one-click payment on my iPhone. My goodness, I look at it, click, I can sit on my couch, take a few hours of a nap, get up, stay in the pajamas, eat a little bit more, sleep the night, get up, and at some time the next day, that thing is on my front porch. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) My goodness, I love that. Here's the problem. We live in a culture where everything's immediate and instant. You know what my frustration was? I ordered that thing from Amazon, and guess what? It didn't show up the next day. How dare them? (laughs) How dare them that I might even have to get up off the couch a couple of times to look out the front door. And all I really have to do is wait for my daughter's blue tick hound to begin to just bark and try to bite the door down. And I know that the FedEx guy is on the other side of that door. God bless him. Well, what happened was, got a text. Your package being delivered's been delayed. Got a text four days in a row. How dare them? How dare them? And then the final text said, the reason why it's delayed is because of weather and flight cancellations. I don't want to hear that. I wanted that thing on my door. See, listen. That's how our culture is. We have the affluence to get what we want when we want, and fasting stands in front of culture and says, No, God first. That's what it does. It is a practical, physical expression of the followers of Jesus where we stand before God and say, Listen, God, I'm going to take the next 21 days and my life is going to be lived differently and through fasting I'm going to humble myself and become aware that I am dependent on outside things to physically survive. What's shocking is, the Older Testament teaches us that fasting and prayer is the only way to humble yourself before God. It's the only way. It is the prescribed way that God has always called His people to humble themselves before Him. Now let's look at what Jesus says about humility. Luke 14, 11. Jesus said this, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The kingdom of Jesus has always been upside down. The way you climb the ladder of the kingdom is you descend the ladder. The way you get more power and more authority is you do it in secret. The way you move forward in so many other arenas does not work in the kingdom of Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, for everyone who tries to exalt themselves, they will be humbled But whoever humbles themselves before God, God is the one that will lift them up. And here's what I want to tell you. When God lifts you up, no one can knock the legs out from underneath you. When you lift yourself up and you exalt yourself, you're always nervous about who's next and who's going to take you out. But there's a confidence that comes from God when people humble themselves before the Lord and he's the one that begins to build them up. Now listen, there's a famous biblical character that exalted himself to before God and his name was Lucifer, Satan, or the devil. He's the one that looked at God and said, I want to be just like you. And the scripture says he moves towards becoming like God. That was his intention. And because of that he was cast down god humbled him but it's interesting with humankind the scripture never says god humbles anyone we are called to humble ourselves humbling ourselves and there's a difference between hum being humbled and being humiliated big difference but the Scripture constantly calls us to be a people who humble ourselves before God. Jesus is our primary example. Jesus' humility is best expressed in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And here's what it says about Christ in the book of Philippians. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, he, meaning Jesus, what did he do? He humbled him, what? Himself. Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Shocking. God's spiritual laws of humility and exaltation were even executed through his Son. That here Jesus even participated himself in this law. That when people humble themselves, God will lift them up. Now, in the newer testament, we see almost all of the newer testament writers reference humility. In First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. Here's what Peter writes to the church All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes humility. The proud, but shows favor to the humble. That's Proverbs 3:34. Going on, he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time." The idea then is, is that if fasting is the prescription from God on how we are called to primarily humble ourselves, then I think all of us as followers of Jesus are called to do this. So why fast? Why would we fast? Well, number one, it's God's way for me to humble myself before Him. It's the biblical prescription to move towards humility. And again, fasting shows me my weakness physically and it also confronts my pride. So, it's God's way for me to humble myself before Him. Why fast? Number two, to intentionally reset my priorities before God. You want to know why? Because some of us have been living so much like culture that we haven't said no to ourselves anywhere. And we find that we're just moving into culture and the priorities of our life are not what they should be. Let me explain carefully what the priority of a follower of Jesus looks like. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them the following way. Spirit, first. Soul, second. Flesh or body, third. When the fall happens, it's absolutely clear that that order gets flipped. The Bible says that Adam and Eve look at the fruit of the tree, and they did it in a very fleshly way. They said it looks beautiful to the eye, and it looks delicious for food, so they took and they ate it. At that moment, humankind was flipped. Now flesh is first, soul is second, and spirit is last. Guess what Jesus flipped when he came? When Jesus comes to earth, the Bible says he's the second Adam. And what that means is, is that Jesus lived spiritually first, soul second, and flesh or body third. Now, fasting is the biblical way where those priorities begin to get moved in the right direction. Why? I look at my physical flesh And I look at food and I say, I'm not going to eat that food. I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to, for the purpose of Jesus in my life and to humble myself, I'm going to push that aside. But I want you to notice something, that it is called fasting and prayer. If all you do is not eat food, you're just going hungry. That's all you're doing. I know what it's like to go hungry. So do some of these wrestlers up front. I wrestled ever since middle school, actually before middle school, but I wrestled all the way through middle school and high school. And if you're a wrestler, you've got what's called weight classes. And weight classes mean at times you have to cut weight. Now the reality of it was I was cutting weight because the wrestler in my weight class whooped me. So, if I wanted to start on the wrestling team in high school, I had to cut weight. I know what it's like to sit at a Thanksgiving meal and have a glass of water and an orange while everyone else is eating turkey and stuffing. God bless them. Let me tell you, I know what it's like to fast. I know what it's like to fast to get healthy. It's not what the Bible's talking about. There is a fast where I'm intentionally doing it in order to reprioritize my life so that the spiritual reality of my life begins to move back out front again. The soul, which is the mind, will, and the emotion, is in the middle, and the flesh gets put last. It's intentional. Third, why fast? Number three, to see a change in an area that is stuck. There's a biblical precedence that if there's something in your life that you believe is stuck and it's not what you know it should be from God, there is a biblical precedence to where we fast and we pray so that we can get unstuck. Let me give you a few examples. Direction. Some of us have been praying for direction about something far too long. What I would encourage you to do is through fasting and prayer, humble yourself before God and begin to ask Him. I have found that in my own life personally, and as the lead pastor of city, there are times where it was only through fasting and prayer that I sense God's direction confirmed. Another area to fast and pray is an area of sin. There's a biblical precedent that people fasted and prayed when sin had overrun their lives. Where they recognized that the body, the flesh, and all of its desires had begun to run the show. And it was through prayer and fasting that they would back off and allow the spirit to come out front and the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotion to begin to control their lives instead of their fleshly and earthly desires. And then last... And I think this is absolutely essential. Number four, why fast? So that I am prepared for what God has for me. That I'm prepared for it. Could it be that I've been praying about something, but like any good father, God knows if he gives it to you now, you're going to trash it. But, through fasting and prayer, we prepare ourselves for what it is that what God wants to do in us and through us. So it's these four things. First of all, to humble myself before Him. Number two, to intentionally reset my priorities. Number three, to see change in an area that is stuck. Number four, so that I am prepared for what God wants to do in my life. In order to help us do this, we have got a 21-day prayer app that we would like for you guys to all be familiar with. If you are not on City Church's email list, I want to encourage you to do what Rob Archer told you to do. Before you exit today, take the tear-off part of your bulletin, tear it off, put on the back side of that your basic contact information, and we will be sending out an email for a 21-day 20, prayer fast that we're going to be utilizing through the Version Bible. If you already have the Version Bible, go to this and download it. But it's a 21-day process through Scripture that will help you to move through this fast biblically. And then the last thing that we have is this card. I want you to take it out. I want you to take out this card. And if you don't have one, please raise your hand. We have ushers that are prepared to bring you one of these cards. So if you do not have one of these cards, go ahead and raise your hand. We've got some people down front here, Felicia. But if you would, just take out this card... What I'm going to ask that you would do is you would literally put it in front of you right now and pause. I want you to think about what you're going to fast and pray for. What is it that over these next 21 days, is it your pride you're going to humble yourself? Are your priorities out of whack and you know it? Is it that you're stuck? And through prayer and fasting, you're going to invite God into the midst of that area where you're stuck. Or is it that you know in 2018 you would love to be prepared for whatever it is that God wants to do in your life? That card is for the purpose of you writing down sort of a letter to God. It begins by saying, Dear Lord, during the next 21 days as I pray and fast, I am trusting you for. I Want you to write something down, or maybe you're going to save it. You're going to think about it later. But the idea will be is that today, at the beginning of our time and season of fasting and prayer, that you will write something down, and at the end of 21 days, let's see together what God has done. Let's see what He does. Now, as you're thinking about that, there's one other thing I want to reference here at City that we're going to be starting this month. God has put it in my heart that we as a church are being called to get healthy. Fasting is part of that to get spiritual health. We're also going to begin to have an an extreme, upfront movement towards prayer as a church family. Near the end of this month, you're going to discover that in the fourth song of worship during worship on Sunday mornings from now on there are going to be prayer people that will be close to you on the proximity of these walls and it's going to be during the fourth song of prayer that we're going to begin to invite people to get up very briefly and to go to be prayed for here's why we're going to do this some of us have been hurting for years and we have not made movements towards prayer We've been struggling with things for a long time. And fasting and prayer is a way that we, in secret, move towards God. And we begin to bring those things to Him. But on Sunday mornings, near the end of this month, we're going to continue this for the rest of the life of City Church. During the fourth fourth worship song, we're going to have people down front and on the sides where you can slip out at that fourth song of worship. You can physically take a step towards prayer and see God begin to meet the needs of your life. As your pastor, I've been burdened. We have far too many people who've been carrying massive burdens for far too long. And this is going to be a year that we're going to see God begin to touch people's hearts and their lives. We're going to make the access more and more easy for us to be a people of prayer. But I wanted to let you know that'll be happening. This card is for you and God. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you. Please, join us for the 21-day fast. In the email that we sent out to the All Church family, if you didn't get it, you're not on our email list, there's a basic explanation that Pastor Gabe, our congregational care pastor, put together for fasting so you can understand different ways of fasting. What I want to say at the outset is this, fasting always has to do with food. It always has to do with saying no to those basic needs of our flesh so that the spiritual reality can step forward. Would you stand with me? I'd like us to take a moment in God's presence to make a commitment as a church family that every single one of us we are going to begin to humble ourselves before God that we will be a church family that humbles ourselves through fasting we humble ourselves through prayer as the worship team begins to lead us please allow those thoughts to be cemented into your soul God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's worship together.
1: is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for
0: As we close our eyes one of the theologians that I read this past couple of weeks about fasting he wrote this the reason why you want to fast is Jesus did It's all he wrote I agree let it be said of us We're a group of people who humble ourselves before the Lord. That we've started off this year in fasting and in prayer. God, now I lift up to you every single card in this auditorium. Those, Lord, that have already begun to be filled out and those that will be. Jesus, I pray that as we fast and pray and we put things on this card, I'm asking that you would show yourself strong, that as we fast and pray as a church family, that our lives will be transformed, that City Church will be transformed, and that Charlottesville and the outlying areas will be transformed as well. God, utilize this teaching deeply within our spirits and in our hearts. Lord, we pray for this. We trust for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to give the parting blessing now, but if you would like to stay for an extended time of worship and prayer, we encourage you to do that. Our prayer team is going to be coming down front to pray with you and to pray for you. But now may the Lord bless you May the Lord keep you. May God turn his face towards you. May he give you his grace and his peace. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.
1: Oh, come to-